Father God, we thank you so much for Tim. We thank you um, for what you've laid on his heart this evening. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts and our ears and our minds are be open to everything you have to say to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Happy New Year. I haven't had a chance to... Um, greet you accordingly in 2020. Really good to see you. And again, if I can extend my welcome to any of you who are new or visiting here this evening, it's really good to see you. I just want to take a a Bible there. On the tables at either side, there are stacks of Bibles. Um, If you'd like to do it old school, you can look it up on your phone or tablet or whatever you've got with you. I'm in Acts chapter 2. If you're in the green Bibles, we're on page... um, 1033, 1033, Just to say, while you're finding that, I'll, I'll wave this up. This is the, the kind of term card for this term. All the events that we've talked about, the IJM events and the fundraiser, the clothes swap, and all sorts of other things as well are on this term card. On one side, it's just chronologically in order, January, February, March, and on, on the other, we cluster it into stuff for men, stuff for women, stuff for families, stuff for kids, stuff for elderly, uh, stuff for those who are into prayer and the prophetic, worship, all sorts. Um, so hopefully uh, one side or the other. Hey, take two and you can have one that takes one and then turn it around and <laughs> on either side of your fridge door or however you want to do it. Um, we've got plenty, so do take them and uh, that way it backs up 60 seconds so you know what's going on. Hey, let's, let's have our reading now. This is, um, we, we often come back to this passage uh, in Scripture, Luke's description of the early church post-Pentecost, all the chaos of that, these people thrown together in a a new experience of God by His Spirit, filled with the Spirit, suddenly um, strangers are becoming friends in this new way of living. It was called the church, the early church was called the way, before it was known as the church. And uh, this is how Luke describes their gatherings. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. devoted themselves to, among other things, fellowship, to one another, to their church expression. We're in a little season here, just as we enter into ease into the new year, where we're kind of refreshing our values, our core values as a church. These were worked out by the leadership team a few years ago, and um, they they kind of try and express what is really important to us. It's quite hard to, to kind of, co- you know, to sort of articulate a value. The, 
you often you don't know what you really think is important to you until you are denied it. Um, until there is a freedom that is repressed or there's something that is really important that is violated uh, to you. Um, and our three values we kind of express and they ha- they're kind of a, a, an aspect that is up, an aspect that is in and an aspect that is out. Uh, and the three values are, Lydia touched on, uh, spoke eloquently last week on our value of encountering God. We don't just want to go through the motions when we gather. We don't, just, we don't want to be religious in that sense. We, we want to put ourselves in a place where through worship, vibrant, passionate worship, through the reading of scripture that is God's word to us as we pray, as we hold silence in our noisy, busy world, however it is and wherever it is, not just when we gather here in this weird building, but as you're sitting at your desk or you're on going on a run or you're on the phone to someone. You're just enjoying some peace and quiet. You're watching telly. God is everywhere. And, but wherever you are, you would encounter him. So that's one of our values, that we do whatever it takes to encounter God, to meet with God, to know that he knows us and we can know him. Next week, we'll look at how one of our values is to engage with those around us, to engage with the, the wider community and the world. We're not called to be a little holy huddle. Um, Just the whole history of God's people was that they would be placed in the middle of everyone else. Abraham's um, descendants came to be known as the nation of Israel, were were a light to the Gentiles. They were were placed amongst, in the middle of ancient Near Eastern uh, countries. They didn't, you know, they didn't sort of all exile themselves off to little islands to live in a sort of happy holiness it would have been miserable the whole point of our serving a God who gives is that we live our lives as a gift to others so engaging with the world but this evening what I wanted to talk about is our embrace of one another the core value of the sort of in one to encounter God engage with the world but today embracing one another And I want to do that in the context of talking about spiritual friendship, developing spiritual friendship. And I want to argue three points, just so you've got a sort of route map of where I'm going for the next few minutes. I I want to argue that we need spiritual friendship, that we can discover spiritual friendship. It kind of grows in us and on us. We become more and more aware of the fruit of that, the wonder of it, the satisfaction of deep spiritual friendship. And thirdly, that it doesn't just sort of happen to us. There's a bit that God does, if you like, but there's also a part we play and that we, we make or create friendship. We're intentional in that area. So we need it, we discover it, we create it, spiritual friendship. And that is what will enrich our embrace of one another. One or two practical thoughts uh, as I finish at the end. So first of all, we need spiritual friendship. You'll be familiar with, you don't need to turn to it, but in the creation accounts, Genesis 1 and 2, the God's account of how God made the world in kind of seven, um, the word was translated days, whether that was a 24-hour period or whether it was periods of time, the Hebrew word elsewhere is, is, is periods of time. So uh, I'm cool with God is perfectly capable of creating the world in seven days, or it may have taken uh, a few hundred thousand, million, whatever, 
everything. In fact, it's everything has a creator. And at periodic moments, God says, this is good, this is good, this is good. And you'll know uh, when he creates human beings in his likeness, he says, this is very good. This is very good. And then shortly after that, interestingly, the text tells us that God sees something in this perfect world that is not good. And, and you'll be aware. Because when he looks at Adam, this human being that he's made, and he says, it is not good for man, Adam, humankind, to be alone. We need spiritual friendship, companionship, a soul-to-soul bond. We need that. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, note, Genesis there, God through Scripture, he's not saying it's not good for man to be lonely. He's not talking about loneliness. That is, that's a kind of, uh, a, a kind of isolation, a separateness, a, a being a sort of a cutoff, a drift that is not in view here. It's possible for us to feel isolated or cut off, but that can't be true of Adam. Adam was, this is before Genesis 3 and fall. Adam is in a beautiful world made by God. He walks in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam is with God. He's not in that sense lonely. But what God observes as he brings the animals for Adam to name and uh, all these amazing, all these creatures that uh, live and breathe around this world, There's no one quite like Adam. So he's he's not lonely in that he's surrounded by the presence of God, but he's alone in that he doesn't have a soulmate. And as you know, God causes him to sleep, takes a rib out of Adam. He makes Eve, who is one of his own kind. This is bone of my bone. Adam rejoices in that song uh, at the end of Genesis 2. Yes, I finally found a kindred spirit. I found someone with whom I can bond and connect. Here is spiritual friendship. We need spiritual friendship. It's not good for man to be alone. I wonder whether sometimes when we, I'm guessing that that is a a familiar sort of part of the the Christian narrative, that creation account and and that bit where God says it's not good for man to be alone. I wonder whether we've read it slightly, you know, through our own experience or uh, perhaps, I don't know, when you were at school, was it? Were you aware? Was there always that kind of kid who, in the playground, he never quite fitted in? You know, he, he was never part of the games, or he was always sort of a bit of a loner, just sort of walking around the edge of the playground, kind of just you know, a little stoop, a little lost. Don't tell me you were that kid. You, you're looking at me, so sort of like, no, I don't know who that was. <laughs> it was you. No, well, well, look, there's prayer ministry at the end. If, if, uh, but you, you, and we kind of sing. I wonder whether we transpose that. We sort of think, oh, Adam, little bit of a loser. You know, God, he's only, it's not that practiced in making human beings. Maybe the next ones will be better. Adam's sort of first one, you know, kind of, yeah, a bit of a loner. Something wrong with Adam. No. No, manifestly not. It, it is because when God creates humankind, this is very good. This is perfect. It is precisely because Adam is a perfect human being that he feels his aloneness. His on his ownness, because being created in God's image, the relational God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're created to be relational. So the perfect expression of God's image in human form 
will feel the need for someone else. God created out of the overspill of his heart to love and to give and to bless. So, so human beings made in his image to love and to bless and to give will need someone or something. Love needs an object. You can't love in a vacuum. So when scripture says it's not good for man to be alone, it means it's not good for man to live in that vacuum. Human beings are created with the need for spiritual friendship. Two things. The second Adam, Jesus. God in human form. The most perfect and complete human being that has ever lived. In, in perfect relationship with his father. And yet, as he conducted his public ministry, did he do that alone? He called. He had, I mean, lots of followers. Uh, there were the 72 that he commissioned. But he, we know about the 12. And even within the 12, there was intimate friendship with three. One of his disciples is described as, descri- is described as the disciple that Jesus loved. Even Jesus, in human form, as he lived this earth, developed spiritual friendship. You know, in the, in the lead up to the uh, the triumphal entry, and he needs a donkey or a colt. I mean, how many people does it take to get a colt or a donkey? One. He sends two. What's he demonstrating? That whatever you're doing, wherever you are, spiritual friendship. That's my first point. We need. We're created to, to need spiritual friendship. Secondly, spiritual friendship is something that we discover. It, it is this sort of strange mystery of God, if I can put it like that, that as we give ourselves to others, we, we find a strange love for them. And it grows in us. Roman uh, Cicero, he said this, the essence of friendship is a common focus or goal. The essence of friendship is a common focus or goal. And in our, and I'm generalizing slightly, but, but in our 21st century Hollywoodized, sort of schmaltzy, romanticized uh, culture in which we live, we've turned a lot of, a lot of our ideas of friendship in on ourselves. We're, we're incredibly self-preoccupied as a culture. So we tend to think friendship is, well, do you like me? Do you love me? Whereas Cicero would want to argue that the question we should ask is, do you have the same love for truth or beauty or purpose that I do? Do we share a common purpose? Do we share a common goal? Do we share a common truth? Do we share priorities and values? Because if we do, friendship will inevitably form and flourish. So in a spiritual context, I I love it. That's why I love uh, Alpha. We do Alpha. It's a practical introduction to the Christian faith. It's an opportunity for people to explore what this world is, is all about. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I meant to be doing? 
And I love that on Alpha we get all sorts of different people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. Different kind of education, different, uh, sometimes different languages, different nations they've grown up with, different uh, habits and patterns and lifestyles that they've been surrounded by. And yet, as they encounter God the Father through Jesus Christ and are filled with his life-giving spirit, as they kneel, as it were, to begin a new relationship, they're, they're kind of bonded as they share that experience and that truth. And they're bonded in a way that doesn't matter who they were before or where they've come from or what they were like. They could be radically different. But because they share that experience and are beginning to live in that same shared truth, spiritual friendship flourishes. The discovery in spiritual friendship is that you don't have to be like the other person in order for that friendship to flourish. You can be you, and they can be them. And as God lives in you, and as God lives in them, with all your differences, yet, yet a, a kind of friendship, a bond, grows that is like no other relationship, I'd want to argue. I can, I can think of a number of people that I would, I would genuinely count as friends. And I honestly think there is no way I would have come across them in my life, given who I am and where I come from, my hobbies and interests and preferences. There's no way I would have come across them, let alone begin to form some kind of relationship, let alone get to the place where I think, wow, if you're not around, I miss you. Nowhere else than church. The, the, the forum for developing spiritual relationships. Freeing us up to like and love the other even when they're different from us. That's, that was Paul's point in, in, to the church in Corinth. Quite, quite a sort of feisty church. You, you, you'll know from the, the letters that particularly the first letter is basically just a list of, of Paul the Apostle telling the church off. <laughs> Now about this, now about that. I hear this is going on, I hear that's going on. Sort it out. He's kind of knocking their heads together. And, and he gets to 1 Corinthians 12 and he says, look guys, look, you're, it's like you're all a body. And, and some of you are hand and some of you are feet and, and some of you are ears and some of you are eyes. You'll be familiar with this metaphor and that, and that passage maybe. So he says, very, very different. You, you know, foot, don't try and make the hand another foot. We need the difference, otherwise... Where's the body? If the whole body was an ear, how would it see? If the whole body was an eye, how would it hear? We need the difference. Learn to recognize what God is doing in your difference, and that is what unites us. That's what builds one body. That's what builds spiritual friendship. And in a sense, we can't manufacture that. That's what God is doing in us as we allow him and we open ourselves up to the other. As risky as that might be and feel. This is our value. In, in one sense, I, I hope it goes on. In one sense, it's aspirational to embrace one another. It's what we want to do, even if it isn't happening. I want to say this here, if I, if I may. I, I recognize that even in the church, and even actually in this church, much as I'd love this to be different, but even in this church, I recognize that there are maybe some of you, and, and I know there are others in the past, who've actually found it difficult to make friends here 
difficult to fit in, difficult to feel like they belong. And all I can say, insofar as, as the leader of the church here, you know, I have responsibility. I, I just want to say I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry if, if for whatever reason you have made it difficult for you to feel that you are a valuable and valued part of this family, this body, this church. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to know if, there are, if there's anything we can do to make it easier in any way for you to discover the joy, the privilege, the, the kind of satisfaction that comes from spiritual friendship. Maybe if, if that's why we have um, church wardens and PCC and so on to talk to, to them. My, my wife is often much more approachable than I am. She's always much more approachable than I am. I seem to talk to Joe or others. If, if, if you know, I don't tell the vicar. vicar. But that's that's the vision. That's the aspiration that we embrace one another because we need spiritual friendship, and because as we risk reaching out to others, that spiritual friendship is something that we discover. I don't have to be different. In fact, in fact, it precise as I am, I can love you in your difference and you love me in return. And somehow fellowship is deeper. They devoted themselves to fellowship. So spiritual friendship is something that fellowship is something that we need, it's something that we discover. And thirdly, finally, it's something that we we make, we create. If, if my second point is kind of more about the work of God mysteriously in us, whether we kind of like it or not, this is about our part, where we are kind of proactive in fostering, nurturing, deepening spiritual friendship. Tim Keller points out uh, that pretty much all other kinds of relationships that we experience are in some way kind of, if not forced on us, then kind of predetermined by things beyond our control. Uh, by our biology or by our sociology, it's just the way in which we order ourselves. So, you know, in, in one sense, we can't help being attracted to other people uh, in, a, in a sort of romantic or erotic way because we kind of have, have hormones that, you know, <laughs> sometimes seem to work independently of whatever we might wish. <laughs> or or can within, you know, our place within a family. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of constrained by the, the, the home. If a, if a family home is to work, or, and even you could extend this to, to housemates, and a, you know, everyone needs to chip in with the bills or chip in with the washing up or whatever it is. There are certain things that are kind of imposed upon me if I'm going to be part of this relationship, this household, this family. Every single one of us as, as citizens of this country, there are, there are stipulations through local government or national government. I, you know, there are just laws and rules and regulations that, that, if you like, you know, they kind of force me to be in relationship with others. I can't, I can't just drive how I want on the highway. If there's a red light, I'm, requ I'm required to stop. <laughs> because I'm, because what effectively what the laws are saying is be aware there are other people also wanting to use the roads um, in other, um, you know, what's that called? A junction. That's it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I do know how to drive. So I'm, I'm bound. I'm kind of constrained. Here's the thing. I hope this is true. I was just about to say, no one made you come to church. <laughs> this one, I'm not a visitor or guest who's been sort of handcuffed by a host and you're sitting here against all your sort of uh, 
you, you don't have to be here. I'm thrilled that you are. It's lovely to see you. You, you don't have to come here. You don't have to be part of God's assembly. You don't have to go to a midweek life group, although I hugely recommend it. Don't come on Thursday. You don't have to. You'd massively be missing out. It's going to be an incredible event. But you choose. You choose. And in that choice, in that willing to give myself for the sake of others, we meet the need that God has placed in us for spiritual friendship. And we allow the mystery of God, we discover that the mystery of God is, is growing in us. Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to spiritual friendship. They devoted themselves to each other. Look at, look at what they did. I mean, verse 44, they had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I mean, let's just do a little bit of the, you know, just think about that for a minute. How do you know if, how do you know if they have need? Because you, you engage with them, you meet with them, you see. If it isn't obvious, you ask, how are you doing? Is there any way I can help? Do, do you have a particular need? Well, yeah, I do actually. Okay, so let me hear that. You, they received one another. Just a little, I, hope, I hope it all goes well. Have a nice day. Bye, see you. Kind of haven't got time. They, they had time for each other. And you think, well, yeah, it was all very simple. What did they have to do? There, was, you know, there wasn't Netflix and mobile phones. I mean, they just had nothing to do all day. They were so bored. They might as well do church. Not. Seriously? They had, like, they had, they had to put bread on the table for family. They had to work. And this is within the context of an occupied Middle East. The numbers of these people who were part of the way and overt meeting in public places were arrested and carted off to the lions. They were lying in the Appalachian Way on crucifixes. That's quite a stressful context, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> and yet, with all that going on, there's only sort of sense of preservation. Luke is just pouring out how they were there for the sense of the other, for the sake of the other. Devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. What, if I may, what, what do you, what do you currently, would you say you devote yourself to? You might say you're almost sort of obsessed by. That if I don't get my fix of dot, 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 then after a week or ten days, I'm beginning to go stir crazy. There's something, sort of fitness and exercise. I know someone who's an inveterate gardener. They just can't, even when there's nothing going on, it's winter. There's nothing to do. You leave it alone. No, they've got to go fiddle, poke, dig. They just can't help but garden. <laughs> They're welcome around our place anytime. Cooking. I know some people just say you love baking, creating in some way. It's wonderful. It's gorgeous. But they're devoted to it. They're looking up new recipes, finding new ways, tweaking this, tweaking that. Devoted, obsessed. Little New Year's audit on ourselves. How many people would describe us as being devoted? Not not to going to church, not religion, not going to church. Devoted to cultivating spiritual friendships. Fellowship. That's that's how that's what Luke. That's how he describes the early church. Is is that a descriptor of us? That's our value. That we embrace one another. That's what it means to be devoted to one another. In in, in that sense, obsessed by the thought. How can I serve and give and release and free and 
blessed those others that I'm called to worship God with through this environment. We, um, we had a little gathering of, of uh, that kind of, it's a bit of a misnomer to, to call them core leaders. Because um, actually, if a leader is someone who influences someone or something, um, then we're all, we're all leaders. You all influence, you all have an influence. So in a sense, we're all leaders. But by core leaders, I mean those who are on the PCC, the leadership body of the church, or uh, lead a life group in the Middle East, or, and one or two of the ministries that go on on a regular basis. And so we gathered them in September, and we were talking through these values. And um, I, we, we were kind of talking about how could we, how could, is there anything we can do to, to deepen and enrich this particular value of embracing one another? And um, in the sort of small group stuff and the people were sort of fed back, was this, this idea that, yeah, it is, it is, it is a bit risky. It's, it's risky when you, when you initially reach out. Um, you've got to kind of break through almost a little, it's like a little sort of bubble. And you have to kind of break through it. Um, we, and I did this little demonstration with, um, in fact, Sam, can I, do you mind, can I borrow you? Is that right? Do you mind, can, can, you, can I just ask you to, to join me here? Ha- round of applause for Sam, because poor guy, he was just... Um, so, so look, here's how it works in our culture. Okay, here's Sam and here's me. And um, this is sort of, this is a safe, this is kind of a safe distance. So I c- we can kind of coexist. That's it, yeah. <laughs> that is true. That's a lot safer than up here. And uh, yeah, so there's a, actually, I've been up here. I've got used to being up here. Sam's just got up here. And so he's feeling, um, already he's feeling a little bit. And you're all feeling for him. And you're all giving me daggers. You think, how dare you? But you're also secretly relieved that I didn't pick on you. So it's a kind of balance like that. And so here we're like, it's, and in our culture, there's a sort of, you know, the kind of space bubble. We talk about a space bubble. So this is kind of, this is okay now. Okay. So if you, if you just stay here. But what I'm going to do is just come and stand here. <laughs> um, ha, ha, do you, you can probably use this one. How, how's this feeling? Yeah, much better actually. Is it? Let me step out again so you can speak freely. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. Good. I'm noted. Noted. Yeah, it's so it kind of. And if I'm honest, when I if I stand here, I'm I'm feeling this is not this is not um, entirely natural. <laughs> so it's, it's it's much. It's here, isn't it? So what we've both been doing, and Sam, bless you, because I literally knows he had no warning at all. I just picked on him. Um, is we've kind of we've we've broken through a little little bubble. Can, are you, how are you feeling? Can we can we progress this? <laughs> so so look here's what it is in Christian circles. No, don't worry, don't worry. In Christian circles, what you do is it's it's this is the safe hug. Okay, and what it is, it's a side-by-side. So you just, if you face the front, and it's just like hip-to-hip like that, and we're yeah. there. Okay, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's yeah, safe, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of no genitalia involved at all in the sort of, it's all, this is totally safe, like that. Yeah, okay, well, we can, yeah. no, don't worry, don't yeah. worry. I'm, yeah, I'm nearly finished. Yeah. We could, but we could, we could do the, we, come on, we've done it before. Yeah. Tug it out. Bring it in. There it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Sam, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. 
we did that on the core leaders. You probably wonder, what on earth did these core leaders get up to? There we are, that's what we, what we do. As a kind of, well, a kind of demonstration in the last two minutes, we've broken through the kind of, the kind of mm, embarrassment factor, the kind of prat factor. You, it was a bit of an artificial thing, but you, you see what we're getting at. It's, it's taking that risk. And we recognize as a leadership that that's not, that's not always easy. It, it, it does feel risky. We'll, we'll need to step out of our comfort zone if we're going to see spiritual friendship develop so that we, we don't just drop at the, stop at the whole, you know, back of church or in the pub. You know that, the opening question, you see someone in the opening question, what do we always ask someone when we see them? What's the first question we always ask them? How are you? How are you? Hey, hey, how are you? What's the thing we always say in return? Always. Ir- irrespective. It doesn't matter what you could have a week up here, you know, a week down there. You could have any, it doesn't matter. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, look, it's, li- it's like it's become this kind of rule that we play. And what we're basically doing, effectively, is like Sam's staying there and I'm saying, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. And we never, that doesn't develop spiritual relationship. Here's a little challenge. Can you think of an opening question that is anything other than, how are you? Because you know the answer you're going to get. I'm fine, thanks. And what, ha- what then, you have to play a sort of secondary game of, yeah, no, but how are you really? Or, or it's a follow-up question. Well, why don't you just sack the first question to start with? Just go straight into the follow-up question. How's your week been? What are you looking forward to in 2020? What's bringing you joy at the moment? anything that's challenging you? How can I pray for you? Those questions, are they're a little bit more edgy, aren't they? A little bit, because we all know the game of how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Is that safe? So now we're kind of just pushing in, like I invited Sam to just push in. It's like going a little bit closer. But how else is spiritual friendship going to be developed? So so can we think, come like prepared uh, to a gathering, a life group or church or whenever it is with what's the question I'm going to ask that isn't how are you try it out at the risk of sounding like I'm on my hobby horse here's another way in which we could develop spiritual friendship and actually it's it's related to the the third value of, of engaging with others and Paying attention to those who are, are new or visiting us, to, yeah, to those who are maybe feeling quite vulnerable or a little bit exposed in, in coming to church. Because I don't know if you remember the very first time you, you went to a church or came to this church, it's a little bit sort of, what's it like? Who will be there? Where do I sit? What goes on? Am I wearing the right stuff? All of these things. You, you quickly lose it if you realize, oh, okay. But when you first come in, it's, it's nervy. Here, nervy. Here's the thing. Um, I've been watching this. I've been observing. Um, it's kind of part of what I'm meant to do. Newcomers and visitors arrive early so as to be here on time. And when they arrive, they're greeted by the vicar, maybe the curate. There's maybe a few people in the band and then a whole load of empty seats. What we do, I count myself in this, this is what I do if I'm not meant to be here, if I'm going somewhere else, I like to leave it to the very last minute. Why? Or even rock up a little bit late. And I'll tell you why. Because if everyone else has had a chance to, to turn up before me, then what I can do is come in and I can survey the scene. 
I can see who's here. Uh, who do I want to be with? Who don't I want to be with? Don't want to be over there, but let's see if I can get in here. And of course, I can only do that if everyone else is here. So I need to turn up later than them so that they've all arrived first, so that I've got the privilege of working out where will I sit. But that doesn't do anything for spiritual friendship. Because there are nervous newcomers or nervous people who've come ready and prepared to worship God who are now feeling really exposed because there's no one. Am I sitting in the right place? Where, where do I go? Where do I sit? And one way in which we can really bless those who are looking to join in with us, and we're, we're wanting to welcome people into our church, aren't we? So one of the ways in which we can make that really easy for them is to be here already. Not sat down necessarily, not committed, we can kneel at the back, a kneel at the side. But if we're here, not just on time, but early, then we're, we're, we can greet and meet one another, but we can also have an eye out for others who might be drawn into our spiritual friendship so that when we're ready to start at five o'clock, we're ready to worship God. It's like, it's like almost this gathering is, a, is like a sort of sandwich, the, the, the worship of God. The encounter bit is from 5 to whenever, 6.30. But before and after, we can embrace one another. But we can only do that if we're here on time. It, 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 you can always think like a sort of headmaster being here on time. It, th- there's, a, there's, a reason, there's a reason why I think if we were here on time, it would, it would benefit us all. Because we can practice spiritual friendship so we need it embracing one another is wired into us we need spiritual friendship it, it's something that as we as we risk it as we break that bubble like Sam and I it, we discover actually God is there holding us together growing something in us a love for the other without me needing to be like them or them needing to be like me and it's something we can be intentional about. We, we can break through that bubble. We can reach the people we don't yet know. We can invite them into friendship. And invite them into the life of the church. And through that, to life with God himself. That's why we value it. Embracing one another.